Hello, and welcome back to another episode of That Podcast. My name is Ryan Jenke, and I am joined by Pastor DJ Lura, and Sarah DeYoung is back. Woo-hoo. Gone last week. Yes. Slacking. I'll just applaud for myself. That's very <laughs> humble. <laughs> oh, man. You know what I saw? What'd you see? The forecast. The forecast? Did you know what it looks like? Pure misery. Yep. <laughs> Have you seen this? No. Yeah, Sunday, the high is like 12 below. Oh, well, wow. So, Ryan, if you're feeling like maybe it's not cold enough, do you know what I get to do this weekend? What? So, I still work with with my buddy at CCRI, uh-huh. and he's really into all things like racing and all of that. So, because of a COVID world, uh, Snowcross National, which is snowmobile racing, will be all outdoors at the Red River Valley Speedway, so Friday night. This this weekend? Yes. Ooh. Yeah, Friday night, it's supposed to get down to, like, teens below. Yeah. The the. So if you just, next week when I come in and they just, like, push me in <laughs> in a giant icicle, that's nice. why. It's, I'm scared. The, the James Bond supercomputer in my hand says it's going to be minus 8 degrees on Friday. For a high? For a low. For a I low. Oh. Minus... 18 degrees on Sunday. For a low. For a low. And Saturday. Saturday and Sunday. But, but you know, I bet you it wouldn't be that bad if it wasn't for that wind. Probably not. But, you know, I think that's only about 7 or 8 degrees away from uh, the temperature they needed to uh, cryogenically freeze Sylvester Stallone and Wesley Snipes and Demolition Man. <laughs> you know what? It, only in North Dakota would minus 18, you would... Addend to that by saying, man, that's cold, but really it's the wind that yeah. makes it cold. Really? Uh, <laughs> yeah, the wind makes it like minus 78. Or in the summertime, it's hot, but you know what? It's really, it's the humidity that yeah. gets you. Yeah. No, it's like 100 degrees. <laughs> it's the temperature. <laughs> yeah. Las Vegas is a dry heat. Yeah, yeah. But so is my oven when you open it up and it's on. <laughs> well, I got I got, to, I got to share something. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh, things are getting getting a little little spooky in my household. Little 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 weird. Yeah. Little scary. Yeah. Ghosts. Well, uh, uh, Ryan, as as you know, um, uh, discovered that I, I think my daughter uh, wants to enter a life of crying. Oh yeah, I've I've seen some. Uh... The reason I say this is is to tell a story. Uh, if you want to tell a story, and I'll I'll give you an addendum that's added to it as to why I think. Um, uh, I think I think she's preparing to be the greatest criminal mind of our age. Well, she's definitely trying to hone her craft. Yes. After last night, uh, she was able to walk back pretty easily on, uh, on on what happened. So she comes walking down the hallway, and uh, she had and I didn't I didn't question I didn't ask anything. She offered this right up. She comes walking down the hallway, and she's got a little bottle of water, whatever it was, Ice Mountain or whatever you know, the little like six ounce bottle of water. Mm-hmm. She says, I stole this. They said, you stole it. Aren't you guys learning about the 10 commandments right now? You, what do you mean you stole it? And she's like, well, I took it. In, in her defense, they learned the 10 commandments um, last year. Yeah. In, in the fall of 2020. Okay. And you know, now it's 2021. They, they, they probably need to learn them again. <laughs> Just a refresher. Yeah, she walked back fast. Well, no, I took it. Oh, okay. Well, either you stole it or you took it. And then she tried to tell... Somebody told me it's the same thing. Maybe we could go down that path. Is taking and stealing the same? Right. I, I don't think so. Stealing has a very clear um, um, uh, moral motivation attached to it. Uh, whereas took it... I mean, you... you you could have given her the bottle and then she takes it. She took it. Yeah. Yeah. There it has a receiving. Or it could have been, hey, there's a case of water in the fireside room. Go take one. Yeah, go take one. Well, I would think that from a legal standpoint that stealing has to, it has to have some value. Well, there you go. Yeah. Well, but that's, isn't that, isn't that a, a subjective thing? Like one man's, one man's, uh, Garbage is another person's treasure, mm-hmm. something like that. Well, here's where I'm saying that I think that 
it's moved beyond just petty crime and moving into the direction of supervillain. She got home and was like, you know what, Dad? I really liked the thrill of stealing that water bottle. And it was so easy. <laughs> I'd do in it the, again. In the car, she had her pinky up as she was <laughs> sipping this bottle water. Yeah. Did she also have a cat? Just like, yeah, just you the, come to me. Just the, <laughs> just the satisfaction. On it. We get home, we're explaining that we're confessing to her mother. <laughs> And now the language has changed again. Okay. It's no longer stealing. Yeah, she's honing her craft. It's no longer taking. She acquired it. Oh. <laughs> Does that not sound like the mob language? I acquired it. That's yeah. right. Yeah. You go, go go make sure the guy goes to the place and acquires <laughs> this bottle of his water. Kneecaps or something. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this bottle of water happened props. into my possession. <laughs> because I was just thinking the other day because I listen to a lot of like podcasts on true crime and all that type of stuff. And I was just thinking, you know, we never have any like good, like, especially in the Midwest, we don't have any good like mob stories or like big or like, we don't have the thrill of that anymore. Right. It's coming back. Yeah. Good for her. It's coming back. She's, she's coming back in a big way. Yeah. But, <laughs> the, but I just like saying that uh, the roaring twenties are coming back. <laughs> Pretty soon. It's going to be uh How'd you get that? I plead the fifth. That's right. If you see her in a in a in a pinstripe <laughs> suit with one of those old uh, fedora hats and a cane, I'm telling you, the, the greatest criminal mind of our age. Oh. Yep, we were we were looking for our daughters last night as it was time to go, <laughs> and we walked by one of the custodians and and I said, "Hey, have you seen two girls? One's redhead, about yay tall. The other one looks like the Hamburglar." <laughs> Well, and even that when we when, when they finally like poofed out of some yeah, they just location, appeared. Where have you been? Oh, we've just been talking. Yeah, yeah, j- j- just talking. Just huh? talking. Uh huh. Well, if they need a gang name, let me know because I've got a good one that's uh needs to be used. Well, and obviously, uh, my daughter has now corrupted your daughter. Yep. She's now part of the. We'll call them Red and Sticky Fingers. <laughs> <laughs> that's how it starts. All of a sudden, you got Billy the Kid. One day it's stealing water, the next day <laughs> taking over the world. <laughs> anyway, well, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. That She's was fun. She's a good sport. That was fun. It was a fun night last night. Yeah, it was. It's good having everyone back. It's nice having oh, everyone back. Oh, yeah, it's great. And it's even more fun that uh, it's it's almost one of those, hey, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. All right. right. We're going to have to hire a second shift to cover the... <laughs> The late, we the were late here, shift. what, like an hour past uh, the bells Yeah, ringing? I think so. We have to start being like Olive Garden, like putting chocolate mints out near people. <laughs> Here's your tab. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was an hour past. If we fun. if we wanted to break things up, you and I certainly could have done it. You walk up uh, incredibly close to teenagers and just stand in their presence. <laughs> yeah. That'll stop the conversation and then they'll disperse. Yeah. But yeah, you can. There's Adults, all, not so much. Adults no. just keep talking. So yeah. yeah, it was fun just hanging out. Yeah, it was. It, it was a good time. Come join us on Wednesdays, everybody. Yeah. Good the party's times. here. It, that's where it's at. You may acquire some bottles <laughs> of water. <laughs> you may be asked to join organized crime. <laughs> hey, you want to go get a bottle of water? <laughs> that's going to be like the code. Yes. Pretty soon they're putting safes in the backs of vans. and. <laughs> oh, man. All right. We better change the subject yeah. here. Because is that a predestination thing? I really hope not. <laughs> well, this definitely makes it premeditated. 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 There you go. Oh, man. Speaking of predestination, I have a question for you. It's a good for me? One. Yeah. I'm sorry. I was reading yeah. an email. Oh, yes. Go, go right ahead. <laughs> no, don't bother with us. <laughs> <laughs> We're not doing anything. Don't, don't mind us. <laughs> Uh, what's the question? Well, I was I was uh, unfortunately looking on the Facebook the other day, mm-hmm. and I found a, uh, a comment. I, I don't remember what the start of it was, but uh, it had something to do with prayer, and then um, somebody who clearly was not of the faith mm-hmm. asked a question that I thought would be interesting to discuss. Mm-hmm. If God already knows what's going to happen, why would you pray and petition to them, to him, to change his mind. Hmm. That's an interesting question. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what do you think? Basically, it's, it's, it's trying to make a logical argument that 
uh, prayer is pointless right. if God is omniscient, mm-hmm. which means all-knowing, which mm-hmm. God is. Mm-hmm. Um, is is that is that a logical jump? Do you think? Hmm. I think it's a a way for you to show your faith in God, mm-hmm. um, to show Him your heart. I don't know. Do you know what I think about? Which is probably not right for this, but you know when uh we need a dump button, <laughs> Bruce Almighty, <laughs> when yeah I think it's Bruce Almighty when Jim Carrey basically becomes God in the movie mm-hmm. and it's all of the, like he's hearing everything like, he, like everybody's thoughts in the world. Mm-hmm. I was thinking of like prayers kind of like a way that it's like hearing all of the noise mm-hmm. just makes it a little bit louder, like sets your intention of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think of that movie it cracks me up. Like everyone won the lottery. So everyone gets like 15 cents mm-hmm. or something. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's a common mistake that we suppose that prayer is about us affecting God. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about this in confirmation yesterday when, when we were learning about the Lord's prayer. Why do we pray, for example, God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven? In the small catechism, it says right there, uh, we don't pray this prayer as if God's will isn't going to happen without this prayer we pray with this prayer that God's will would happen in our lives, you know, that we would be included in it. So really prayer is not about getting God to do what you want. Prayer is about sharing your concerns and your needs and your wants with God and trusting that God will provide. Mm -hmm. And sometimes um, it doesn't turn out the way that you want. It's like uh, with my kids when they ask things of me more often than not, they're going to get good things, but they're not always going to get what they want. Mm-hmm. And yet they continue to ask and they continue to trust. That's what we're doing when we pray. Now, if you don't believe in God and you pray, um, of course you're going to think that prayer is about treating God like a genie and making a wish and hoping that your wish comes true for the believer. That's not what, that's not what prayer is. Prayer is that ongoing relational conversation with my God, my Lord, my savior, the one who is with me, who will never forsake me, who takes care of me and is concerned about me. And you nurture that relationship through that conversation. Um, and prayer is less about you talking and more about you listening. Mm-hmm. So that that's kind of what I would say about that. Um, you know, that is spe- speaking specifically about prayer. But here's the other thing. If God is all-knowing and God knows how things are going to turn out anyway, why should you pray? Because you don't know. Does that make sense? God knows you don't. Um, and so it's going to the, the reservoir of, of all knowing, like more than Google. That's kind of how I think of that question. Why, why would you Google something if Google already knows what the answer is? Because Google knows what the answer is. That's why you Google. Mm-hmm. Why do I pray to God? Because God knows what the answer is. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, I had a thought. Now I lost it. Um, but it, it's, uh, I, I feel like um, if you are in prayer and you're trusting, um, you will trust that, um, you know, you, your will, not mine. And and It's what Jesus says. Yeah. And the more you trust, the more um, I feel like, for me anyway, um, even if things don't go the way that I was hoping to, I know that it was God's will, and I I do feel some comfort in that, even if things don't go the way that I was hoping for. Yeah. Well, and this this brings up a question of free will. Um, is there such a thing? I, I, is your will free, or is everything predetermined? Is there 
what's what's called predestination or um, destiny. You know, when people talk about that's my destiny, is everything already my planned density. out? Density. My density has popped me to you. Uh, back to the future. Um, have you seen that? No. She was born in 95. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> but no matter when you were born, you should have still seen Back to the Future. We've talked about this before. My Back to the Future is Julie Andrews going. Oh, that's right. Oh. That's right. Got to go back to that? episode 47. <laughs> Mary Poppins. Princess Diaries. That's what it is. Uh, you were saying, <laughs> you know, it, if, if there is... If there is the concept of destiny, that question presupposes almost an arrogance that why would you ask anyone of anything because everything is already predetermined and there is no there is no um, choice in the matter. Um, that's that's a logical jump you can make as well because everything does happen the way that it's supposed to happen. Because you can't go back in time and redo a decision that's already been made. Therefore, it must be, have been predetermined as far as logic is concerned. We think that there are choices because we are self-aware and we ponder, what if I did it this way? Especially if something doesn't turn out the way you want and you have regret. Mm -hmm. But the fact of the matter is, as far as history is concerned, you cannot go back and fix a mistake that you've made or change a choice that you've made. All you can do is make a different choice later on. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Um, and so that then makes the point that free will is an illusion. Um, and if free will is an illusion, then God, by immutable necessity has got to be in control. Now, the reason for that is that for God to be God, God cannot be limited by anything. If God is omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. Here's where things break down. We are not. And so we don't know what God determines in his hidden will as far as density Destiny is concerned. (laughs) Uh, All we can do is respond in faith. And the illusion that there is not predestination, that that you are the the ultimate arbiter of your destiny, um, brings into question God's um, authority to choose. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's terrifying to us. And so, so let's see if I can, I can dumb this down a little bit. The idea that God chooses is incredibly offensive to us. That's why we speak about free will and, and, and have a problem with predestination. And we'll make logical jumps. Like uh, the Calvinists would say, well, if, if God decides, then that means that some are saved and some are damned. And there's nothing you can do about it. That is an incredibly arrogant place to be because you are now assuming that you understand God's hidden will. And, and, and the truth of the matter is, yes, God decides, but you don't know who God decides. All you know is what God has said, which is be faithful to me. If you're concerned about your neighbor's eternal destiny, go and share me with them and watch me work. But ultimately, it's not up to that person or you to decide who is in and who is out. It's God who saves through his word in a miraculous way that through a word, God would turn a sinner who doesn't believe in God into a saint who does. Well, that's what we, that's what we as Lutherans call election. And it presupposes predestination because if you believe that Jesus is your savior then you believe that you're a sinner who cannot save yourself. And if you cannot save yourself, you're not free, you're bound. Um, And so you need Jesus to enter into your life and do something about it. And the Bible is clear on this, that God is all-knowing, all-seeing, all-powerful, and that God calls and chooses, but we don't know who God chooses. I mean, Jesus himself says, you didn't choose me, I chose you, right? 
And yet God chooses through the word preached. And for those who have ears to hear, faith happens. Um, but we don't know how that happens. We don't know who will believe and who won't. Uh, salvation is for everyone. Jesus died on the cross for everyone. But acquiring that salvation comes through hearing the word preached, hearing the good news of Jesus Christ, hearing the gospel. And even the Holy Spirit ultimately has to be responsible for who hears that word and believes it and who doesn't. So the final, the final place is that predestination is the doctrine that says God does not leave something as important as your eternal destiny up to you. Mm-hmm. But we experience it. We experience it cognitively. We experience it matter-of-factly as, as a receiving, as an accepting, as a living faith. And that's, that's a fine thing. But ultimately, predestination is the teaching that I wouldn't even believe in God if the Holy Spirit didn't work on me. Mm-hmm. That God didn't do something. So God gets all the glory. Does does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So so now you now we can get to the question of well what is a free will and how free is it? Mm-hmm. Free will, like I said, is an illusion when you talk about those things above you, because if you are a slave to sin who cannot free yourself, you need God to enter in and set you free from sin, mm-hmm. so that you can truly be free. How free are you? You're as free as God makes you through faith in Jesus Christ. I have total domain in those things beneath me. I decided what clothes I was going to put on today. I decided what I was going to eat for breakfast. I decided how fast I was going to drive here. I decided the relationships in my life. I decided um, uh, who to who to love and marry, mm-hmm. right? I decided what to name my kids. Those are all things that I've been given stewardship over as, as a creature of God as a, as a human being. Mm. That's where I'm free. Now, all the decisions I make are, are tainted by the reality of, of sinfulness and selfishness. Like I can't even imagine what, what existence is like or the decisions that I make without the, the reality of sin being present because we can't imagine life without sin. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet at the same time, I am not free when it comes to those things of God, which is to truly love God, truly fear God, truly know God on my own. Mm-hmm. He has to act. He has to give me grace. He has to be my preacher. He has to, he has to be God, mm-hmm. whether I like it or not. So my choosing of God or not choosing of God does not differentiate or take away from God's authority as well as God's ability to intercede on my behalf. And so there's a limit to my freedom. I cannot earn, choose, uh, make the right decision, climb a ladder to earn heaven. It has to be given as a gift outside of myself. And that is God choosing, not me. Does that make sense? All right. Yeah. I'm watching you guys starting to tip over because it's... No, I was just reading an email. Oh, yeah, well, <laughs> good. It, 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 it probably no made more sense week. than what I was saying. <laughs> Predestination is hard to understand because we don't like it. Yeah. Because we're not in charge. Right. We're not in control. Ultimately, it's saying God is in control. And that's a good thing. When you are new to the faith, it can be confusing, but but really predestination, election, so as it's as it's also called, is actually a, a teaching of comfort for the believer. Because when you really start to feel your sins and you think, I, you know, did I, did I really accept Jesus the right way? Did I really? And you begin to question your part in this, in this relationship with God. The promise that God, Jesus saying, you didn't choose me, I chose you, is a great comfort. Because it means that I can't screw this up. Uh, where there's faith, there's, there's the proof that God has chosen you. Yeah. That's interesting because um, the, uh, the, the, it's an interesting thought that the um, you didn't choose me, I chose you. Because sometimes uh, I wonder if if people get that idea that do I do like you said? Do I really believe? Do do I believe enough? Am I, you know, that, am I good enough? Am I, I right? Do I do the right things? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And for someone who looks at themselves and, and recognizes their sinfulness, which is, you know, honestly, a lot less than you think. Most people are in denial. They might say, well, I've sinned, but not most people don't want to confess that they are sinners. Mm-hmm. Because as soon as you do that, then, then the gospel actually becomes good news, that God would forgive a sinner like me. Mm-hmm. Um, then this doesn't become a problem. Predestination doesn't become a problem. But if if you're trying to control God and turning your salvation into some type of project that you have to accomplish, which includes making the right decisions that I've, I've chosen Jesus as my savior. Therefore, well, that's, that's a transaction. That's not a relationship. Mm -hmm. And, um, being a Christian uses that language, but it's, it's always like, it's always a passive acceptance. It's like, it's like if someone threw a football at you, you can stand there and let them hit you in the head with the football Mm -hmm. or you can receive it. And it's going to be a passive receiving like, like a, you know, it's you're catching it. Mm-hmm. You're not you're not throwing it. I I, I think a, a better a better way to explain it is you can catch a bullet. If someone shot you, did you choose that bullet that hit you in the chest? Do you deny that bullet hit you in the chest? What will happen then? You'll die. Or did you receive it, and now you realize everything has changed, and you need to recognize that there's a bullet in your chest. And that's, that's to me how I think about God breaking in on you. It's recognizing that Jesus has tackled you and it changes everything. Cool. (laughs) Yeah. Actually, if you want me to be honest with that, that, that last thing you were talking about, I saw Penn and Teller and uh, Penn Gillette shot a bullet at, at Teller and Teller caught it in his teeth. Really? Yeah. Which one? Which one talks and which one doesn't? Pen talks. Pen talks. Yeah. Teller doesn't. Except for afterwards, we so, met them afterwards, got autographs and everything, and then he then he. Talks. When he's not on stage, mm-hmm. he talks. Yep. Yep. Wait, you saw this live? Yeah, live and in person. Yeah, it was it was phenomenal. Was it a real gun? What? Well, How it couldn't work? have been. Did, did, did Sarah? you did you well, take out your uh, Teller's not bulletproof. <laughs> Did you take out your nine millimeter and say, "Hey, can you show me how you do that trick?" No, and- no, no, but it was interesting because we were we were uh, second row because we thought, "Well, if we're going to do this, let's do it right." So we got second row seats, and I was just like, "Is this real Stupefied. life?" Yeah, like um, they had um, you doors open an hour before the show, and so. Tabitha and I were sitting there and they had two guys that were just playing, just playing instruments, you know, no singing or anything. And she's looking and looking and looking. And then she said, Hey, the guy playing the bass is Penn. No, it's not. It was, you could see he has one fingernail painted, but he was, you know, kind of disguised where you couldn't tell, but it was him. And then they had this crate up on the stage and they, uh, a guy would come out every, you know, five, ten minutes and say, uh, uh, welcome, welcome to the show. It'll be getting started here in a few minutes. In the meantime, come up on the stage and check out this crate. Penn and Teller would like you to check it out thoroughly. Uh, you can open it up. You can step inside, whatever. And it was on wheels. So people were going up there nonstop. We didn't go up, but we were watching. And people would spin this thing around. They'd get down on the on the floor and look underneath it. They'd step inside of it. I mean, they were inspected this thing for an hour. The show starts, and here comes Pendulette out on the stage, and then he says, "And uh, whatever, however he said it, let let give a hand for Teller, who pops out of this stupid crate that everybody had been." inspecting for an hour and i'm sitting here in the second row going what (laughs) i watched everybody for an hour walk around that stupid thing but did they walk under it it it, well they got down on the floor and looked under it it was on wheels like caster wheels so so the reason why you bring up pen and teller i'm guessing is one of two reasons uh uh, Penn is a very famous atheist. He is, yeah. Or is it because they have made a deal with the devil and you want to tra- transition from predestination to evil? In the no, no, it was because you, you talked about somebody getting shot and, <laughs> and you know, catching that bullet. And I, I watched it. You happen watched it live, with your own eyes. Live and in person, yeah. <laughs> That's Friends, really like, where that went. I know what you mean. I've seen it before. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh yeah, that's exactly yeah. what happens. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, it was wild. I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. No, 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 no. There, there's only one place that I've seen someone catch a bullet in their teeth, mm-hmm. and that was with the fine um, kung fu movie from the 1980s, The Last Dragon. Nope, never saw it. Oh, it's a fine movie. Oh, I may have seen it. I've seen those. I didn't, you know, I've seen those movies, but I didn't know the names of them. Mm-hmm. I was just fascinated by the the uh, unsynced mouth movements to the <laughs> to the speaking. You know, what you I'm know talking about. with more video coming out now, that's one of my favorite things to watch because, like, there's a lot of Facebook videos where it's like their mouth is like just a hair behind the sound. The sink is off yep. just a yep. little bit, just enough to mess you up. Mm-hmm. Yep. What were we talking about? Well, we were getting deep into the the swamp of predestination, and, and your eyes started to glaze over, <laughs> and then you started thinking about Penn and Teller. Yeah, I was <laughs> thinking it's going to be twelve below, and Las Vegas is a lot warmer than here. <laughs> well, it, I, I, the reason we we're talking about this has to do with a question um, that that is really speculation about God's hidden will. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, that's the question. Why would you pray? Right. If God already knows everything. Well, it's a, you're, you're making a speculative claim right from the get-go. If God knows everything and knows how things are going to come turn out, what's the point? Right. The point is because prayer is not about influencing God. Prayer is about influencing you mm-hmm. and being in conversation with the God who chooses. And that's really where push comes to shove. The uh, offense of predestination is that God is God and you are not. Mm-hmm. And God chooses. Now, what are you going to do with that? Well... Uh, you're going to die to it. You you reach a point where your speculation leaves you in complete and utter unbelief mm-hmm. that there is a God, uh, or it leads you to a place of despair where you wonder, has this God chosen me? Mm-hmm. Um, the only cure for speculation is proclamation. Because this God who chooses, chooses you through words. And those words come out of the mouths of those whom he has sent, Christians. And that word is a word of election that actually chooses you when you hear it. And it sounds, it's the gospel. Mm -hmm. You, a sinner, are forgiven of all of your sins on account of Jesus Christ who died for you. He is risen and heaven itself awaits. To hear that... And to believe it is for a sinner to be short-circuited and stop being a sinner in the hearing because a sinner cannot have faith. It's a logical breakdown. Being a sinner means that you do not have faith in God. But when the gospel comes, suddenly you have faith. That's election. That's what we mean by predestination. God chooses. Now, what does that mean for the rest of your life? It means continue to rest in God's choosing rather than rejecting it. Mm -hmm. Because you certainly have the free will to plug your ears, to reject that promise, to stop hearing the gospel. We need to hear it again and again and again. Because while while Christ's grace is um, never never ending, Mm -hmm. we can stop going to the source of it, and then we die uh, our faith dies. Mm-hmm. Just like if I decided, hey, I breathed yesterday. I'm, I think I'm going to take a break from breathing for a week. Well, what's going to happen? I'm going to die. Or as well, one very smart confirmation student die. told me, said, well, no, no, you'll pass out and you'll start breathing again. I'm like, thank you. You're correct. Uh, or, or if I said, you know, I ate, I ate something yesterday. I'm not going to eat again for a month. Mm-hmm. Well, you're going to die. Faith is like that too. If you plug your ears from the gospel, if you refuse to hear it, and your faith could very well die. It's not inconceivable that the Holy Spirit says, you know what? I'm going to take away my gracious hand. Mm. When you plug your ears and refuse to hear the gospel. Yeah. So faith is really something that's acquired um, through that ongoing continuous relationship. And where there's that relationship, there's the guarantee that you are saved. Mm-hmm. Plain and simple. Why would you leave that? Why would you run for it? Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, why wouldn't you want it? Yeah. 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 So it gets down to the issue of ultimately 
Predestination is the issue of what do you do with a God who chooses? Do you trust him or do you hate him? Right. Because if God chooses, then you're not in control. You're predestined. That's tough for people mm-hmm. to That T to word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a lot to chew on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Maybe we'll get some more follow-up questions on. Yeah, that'd be fun. Or someone just saying, you're just plain wrong. <laughs> You're just going to get an email. That's not true. I ate last month and I'm still alive. I'm fine. <laughs> sure you are. <laughs> <laughs> or how much were those tickets to Penn and Teller? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I don't remember the answer. In Vegas or in Reno? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know those guys are pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was crazy. So it was fun. I like this. They had a show. I don't know if it's still on TV, but where they would have magicians come out and show them their tricks fool us mm-hmm. fool us yeah and they and it was neat when they would explain like mm-hmm. it would it would be inside baseball language yeah yeah totally yeah they, they still have it i just watched one uh, the other day a, a brand new one and they know the the person on stage knows what they're talking about yes but we are like they're, what <laughs> it reminds me of like have you ever seen the movie oceans 11 yep when they're like so what do we need to do this well you're gonna need the biggest James Brown you've ever seen. And like they name these different things for these scenarios. Yeah. And the names sound kind of familiar, but not really familiar. And so you don't know what they're talking about. Right. That's what I think of with the. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a fun show too. Sleight of hand. Yeah. You're looking over here while they're doing this. Yep. Which makes me wonder how long were you staring at that, at that box before you just glazed over and they were able to bring a different box in. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of us in that room. Yeah. So did you go, did you go open, open the crate? We we didn't go inspect it. No, no. Oh, okay. I should have. Well, maybe all those people were paid actors, Ryan. And the whole purpose was to fool you. Just me. Just you. It was all for you, Ryan. The whole thing. (laughs) That's why those tickets were so expensive. You were the only real fan. (laughs) I'll tell you what, they weren't that expensive. (laughs) You were paying a craft meal service for all of the actors in that room. What we paid probably could have paid the lighting bill for the, <laughs> for the night. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Got any more questions? I don't. How how soon do you, uh, this is uh, breaking the fourth wall, but how soon do you have to scoot? I, I sent you a text, oh, but you ignore that. me. Well, not, not all of us are sitting here checking our emails. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually, this is my first world problem complaint is, um, so I'm, I'm looking, I had an Apple watch for a long time mm-hmm. and I had a series one. It was working just fine. Still working fine. And I was like, you know what? It's time for me to upgrade. Like with the help of Santa, I'm going to upgrade my watch. <laughs> so I sent in my old cell phone, my old watch, and then my mom's old watch for the Apple trade-in program to like yep. get these gift cards to help go towards my new watch. So I haven't had one for about two weeks now. And oh, the amount no. of stuff that I miss just because I don't carry my phone with me because I'm used to it being on my wrist. And then, yeah, I got some, I got a little, I got a little bit. All right. 10 minutes. So you do. So without the Apple watch, you do feel a little out of the loop. I feel out of the loop. And I also have less desire to want to work out because I, I like to see the number. Yep. Mm. It's probably made up, but I'm like, what what are the calories? (laughs) What are the calories? Well, we were talking about this, um, a couple of episodes ago, but I, I, I told the story about, I had a Fitbit. I loved my Fitbit, mm-hmm. had the time on it and, and you could, you know, click it and see the, see mm-hmm. the steps. And I haven't worn a watch since I had a Fitbit, which was a couple years ago, because one day I'm just sitting there, wasn't not doing any steps. And all of a sudden I just hear this and I look at it and it's popped open and there's oh, smoke yeah. coming out of the top of it. And I'm like, that was on like, there was a mini explosion that took place. So mm-hmm. it makes me a little nervous of, yeah. Having a supercomputer on my wrist that's all of a sudden just going to go. Yeah. You, you talked about this last week with Brendan. Okay. Yeah. See, I always feel like I look like, I, I feel like Inspector Gadget. Well, like, it, it, it is. It is. Cool, like James Bond mm-hmm. stuff. It's watch I can talk into yeah. and take phone calls. So uh, Sarah has probably always had the experience of, of a camera near you or in your face. If you were born in 95, mm-hmm. I'm thinking that I got my first... Um, I got my first cell phone in 2002 and it was, it was a razor, like a flip phone. Yeah. I'm trying to remember 
when I got my or, first one. No, it wasn't a razor. It was a push button one. But anyway, M- Motorola. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got Nokia? my first one probably. Nokia. Yeah. yeah, probably around that same time, two thousand. Maybe 2000. Well, and I guess what, what I'm saying is when I was younger, so my kids have always had a device in front of them. They've always had a little screen where they can watch YouTube because mm-hmm. that's kind of what we did when we would go yeah. out to eat. We'd watch like Sesame Street on YouTube on my yeah. phone. Um, but I remember as a kid watching James Bond movies and being like, that's so cool. He's got like a device where he can talk on mm-hmm. his on his wrist mm-hmm. or... Well, we have that stuff now. That's yeah. that's space, what space aged. That's what our phones are. Yeah. They're supercomputer. But, but isn't James it Bond funny devices. the amount of people though that where it's like we're living in 2021. This should be the Jetsons. Yeah, <laughs> like we have all this technology, but it's not good enough. Well, that's yeah. there's that too. You know what? We've uh, caught up um, to James Bond in the 1970s. We've not caught up true. to the Jetsons. Yet. Do you know what you need to do to your kids? This is a TikTok trend that I have. Actually, I think it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. So use your hand and pretend like you're going to answer a phone call. Use my hand. Yep. Like so. Take so. You're gonna talk about like calling somebody. Yep. You like if you're. You're gonna do the like hang loose hand. Yeah. Most kids nowadays will just do like, like they're holding an iPhone. Is that right? So ask your kids like how would you like pretend like you're gonna answer a phone. Like. I guess millennials and older would do the hang loose hand. Yeah. They do what? The like, because this is the phone they're used to holding up is like a flat piece. Yeah, they don't have the ear yeah. and the thing. That's crazy. Um, and and that's uh, interesting. I'm gonna try that one at home. Did you hear about Elon Musk with the uh, the gorilla that he implanted the chip into that can like play games on his smartphone? Is this a Babylon B no. article? That no, uh, no, it's not. Uh, let's see here. This is from let's see, Business Insider. Yeah. Well, this wait, is, wait, it's Elon Musk. So, so let me understand this real quick. Are you saying that the gorilla can play games on his yeah. smartphone or Elon Musk is playing with the gorilla <laughs> with an app on his smartphone no, here, after it, implanting a chimp, a chip in his brain? So here's the, here's the headline from CNBC. Elon Musk says his startup Neuralink has wired up a monkey to play video, video games using its mind. I'm sure Pete is just having a field day oh, with that yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. That's yeah. scary. Yep. Tesla boss Elon Musk said in an interview late Sunday that a monkey has been wired up to play video games with its mind by a company he founded called Neuralink. You know, Neuralink put a computer chip into the monkey's skull and used tiny wires to connect it to its brain. I'm going to call it now. I'm going to guess that that technology will fall into the same thing as like Google Glass. Like the, Just, the glasses it, with the camera. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Never went Super anywhere. Super cool idea. Nobody actually wants it. Right, right. Too scary. Yeah, it, this is scary. Yeah. It's not an unhappy monkey, he said during a talk on Clubhouse, whatever that is. Oh, a new social media app gaining popularity that allows people to have informal voice chats while others listen in. You can't even see where the neural implant was put in, except that he's got a slight little dark mohawk. I, I'm I'm curious what hmm. game the monkey likes to play. Ma- mind pong. Mind pong? Mind pong is what it says right here. Mind is that pong. like pong but without I suppose you're just using, using your, your brain? Using your mind. Go that way. Yeah. Yep. Man. That's in Back to the Future Part Two also. Yeah, that's a baby's toy. Yeah. yeah. Gotta use your hands. <laughs> that's like a baby's toy. <laughs> yep. Look at Sarah. Smile and nod. (laughs) Yeah, isn't that scary though? Like crazy. I think I like the idea better of a gorilla sitting there playing like Candy Crush with his brain rather than what mind. Well, they got to start somewhere. We all had to start with Pong. I I, I thought maybe it was like Donkey Kong or something. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be funny. Mario Kart. (laughs) Mario Kart. Right. That's funny. Um, Diddy Kong. I also uh, found, now I don't have the article in front of me, but did you see that they found a piece of preserved purple cloth from back uh, that they that they dated back to like the time of David? Hmm. David, that far back. Yeah, huh? yeah, I'll try to find it that's here. That's back to 1000 BC. Yeah, King David ruled from 1000 to 972 BC. Here it is from christianpost.com. Royal purple cloth scraps from... 
era. Oh, I didn't want to add to pop up. <laughs> Biblical royal purple cloth scraps from era of King David Solomon found in Israel. There's a picture of it. Hmm. Yeah, it's from 1900 BC. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, that is cool. To be preserved that long. I'm I'm surprised. I didn't know cloth fabric could last, last. for 3000 years. Unless it you know, it's it's buried, they had to excavate it, I'm sure. Yeah, I I I should have read this beforehand, I guess, but it it uh yeah, they dated it at around 1000 BC. You ever wonder how they do that? How they do the dating of things? It's it's, it's an interesting science. Um how they figure out what something is how old it is. It's carbon dating, right? Some of it is. Yeah, there's a couple different ways to do it, like the really old stuff with it where they do the uh like radiation. Mhm. Dating. I think that's what they did here. I think I saw that as I was glancing through. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just, it's interesting. It's like, that's how they figure out how old these things are. Like I was talking to Dylan and he was telling me he was learning about stars mm-hmm. and he came home and he said, dad, you know how old, old the stars are? How, how old our sun is? I said, I don't know. He goes, it's really old. <laughs> it's older was, than you. Yeah. <laughs> I said, he said, <laughs> right, so we looked it up. I said, this says that the sun is like 6 billion years old. Mm -hmm. He's like, whoa, how do they know that? I said, I don't know. No (laughs) clue. Yeah, I I don't know either. So, yeah. I I don't think they carbon dated the sun. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I have no idea. Maybe they just went after, like, when's your birthday? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how they date all these things, but that's, that's how we get those really big numbers is because of scientific experts who say that, we measure things like the radiation leaching out of it and, and what it should mm-hmm. be, what its half-life should be. Mm-hmm. And that's how we come up with these numbers of, you know, the world is 6 billion years old or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, just amazing. It's fun. Crazy stuff. Good times. All right. Man. Is that all you got or you got something else? No, my mind is just blown. Yeah. Lots of smart people in the world doing lots of smart <laughs> yeah, things. there is. There's a lot of things coming that are... It's spooky science mm-hmm. uh, that we already have the stuff to. Like, mm-hmm. have you guys heard of this um, technology? I think it's called um, CRISPR. No. It's gene editing. Oh. So it is very likely that our kids are going to have the moral dilemma of do they get a, when they're ready to have their own children, do mm-hmm. they get a basically genetically enhanced child yeah where they've already chosen like their height yeah hair color their weight their eye color yeah i i read about this a long time ago already yeah they can they can they have the ability to to choose eye color and and all kinds of stuff so and you know that if that catches on everyone's going to want their child to have the best characteristics they could possibly have in order Mm -hmm. to succeed in the world that we're in. Right. And then you're going to have this whole different level of um, class warfare Mm -hmm. where if you are not genetically enhanced, you're like a second class citizen. Right. Like this is the stuff of like science fiction novels from the turn of the 20th century. (laughs) Well, this is also a whole nother podcast here because that brings up the playing God scenario. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, do you got time? You got to cancel that appointment that you got coming up. That'll have to be next week's episode. (laughs) Well, and so, and then there's one other piece of science that just kind of blows me away that Elon Musk has talked about Mm -hmm. since you mentioned him. And he's a big, he's very concerned about AI Mm -hmm. where uh, an artificial intelligence becomes smart enough because it, it, because we can measure the rate of its growth in what it would know that there's a point where they would pass right artificial intelligence would pass humans and then humans wouldn't even understand the artificial intelligence and the AI we would be like like gnats to it right like, <laughs> in, yeah. in relevance um, in the next 20 years or so this is going to become second secondary to the primary experience of existence which will be completely virtual you will wake up Uh, And you will go into the internet virtually and you will not be able to tell the difference between what is virtual and what is Well, that's kind of already started. Like, have you seen the Peloton mirror? That's what I'm saying. All this stuff is already here. 
It's just now working it in such a way where it, it, it becomes part of the, the normal connection. In other words, we're, we You're are building the matrix. We are building the matrix, but we're aware of it. Mm-hmm. And that's where more of your interaction, the, it, most, if not all of your interactions will take place. You'll, you'll leave, you'll leave that virtual time to maybe eat. You're saying, sleep. you're saying within 20 years. Oh yeah. Yeah. And this was according to Elon Musk. Well, uh, this is according to all those futurists. We already have the technology. Now it's just bringing it into the, the normalcy of society as a whole. Mm-hmm. And as the internet has expanded with cameras, with, with all these things, that neural net thing that Elon Musk was talking about with the brain. Yeah. Well, that makes perfect sense for a, a virtual reality where you go online and you're in it like the movie Ready Player One, like mm-hmm. something along those lines or the Matrix where you choose to just to enter in and that's that's where people go to enjoy life. So where does this leave us standing then with it from a, from a Christian standpoint? Well, you're going to have to tune in next time because mm-hmm. we'll have to talk, talk about more that. on it, uh, but I don't want to wait. Well, you know, enjoy, go back through our previous tracks and see if you can figure out what the answer is. Uh, cause most Christian answers end up going to the same place. Well, I'm, I'm going to keep asking until Sarah <laughs> plays the music. So <laughs> she hasn't played the music. You're not going to say riveting. All right. Oh no, you Goodbye. can't play the music. Hey, we, we haven't <laughs> prayed yet, Sarah. Oh. You skipped last week, so you, can you pray this week? Sure. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time to gather and to discuss. And Lord, I just pray that whoever is listening, that you give us the hope and trust in you that we have a God that chooses, but we trust in you and we know that you will choose us day in and day out. And Lord, I thank you for that. And I just pray that anybody listening out there is blessed. And if they don't know you, that they can find you and they can learn more about you and trust in you. In your name I pray. Amen. 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 All right, everybody, thank you for joining us. Remember, you can uh, um, find us online this weekend at 9 and 10.30 a.m. on Sunday at atonement.live, atonementfargo.org, or on YouTube by searching Atonement Fargo. Or you can come on down, like Bob Barker would say, (laughs) come on down and join us here in person. It was Bob Barker that said that. Yeah. 95. I know that. I've seen uh, Billy Madison. Was it Bob Barker or was it was it the announcer? Uh, oh well, yeah, it would have been the announcer, not Bob Barker. Yeah, it would have been Bob Barker's I w- sidekick. I always thought when I was a kid that announcer on The Price Is Right was the same guy who did the commercials for Menards. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it was that Menards, but, but yeah, but they they did. They did say his name. What if it I is though? What? Like secretly one guy, and it's just a big monopoly of like four to five announcers. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Yeah, he. I think the guy always said his name at the end of the episodes, but I can't remember. Yeah, but anyway, you can you can join us here in person, <laughs> live, live and in person, live and in person. Yeah, yep. I'm just buying time till you hit the music. Join us next week for another riveting episode of that podcast. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>